Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you're listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. Welcome to America's season finale. Because I feel like that's where we're living right now. This is the end. Ain't no mo. Have you seen the meme? It's two aliens. One is watching their version of alien TV. And another alien walks in the room and says, what are you doing? You've been watching this all day. The alien on the couch says, yes, it's America's season finale. It's getting good. That's what I feel like we're living in. And I don't mean to incite panic or be nihilistic, but y'all, what the fuck? Literally, very literally, last week, I was taping this podcast, and as I began recording, I was planning to go to New York. I was planning to go to two Broadway shows. I'd flown across the country to hang out with my mom and celebrate her retirement. By the end of the podcast, my mom was like, no, too much is going on. We can't go to New York. And the morning the podcast was released, because I tape on Wednesday nights, so last Thursday morning, New York shut down Broadway shows. I was all upset about missing the opportunity to see Blair Underwood's abs. No one will be seeing Blair Underwood's abs or Hamilton for the foreseeable future. As I record this, and I have to say that for clarity because the news is changing so fast. As I record, New York is on the brink, according to Mayor de Blasio, of having to shelter in place indefinitely. San Francisco is already under a 24-hour lockdown, quarantine. L.A., D.C., most of the Northeast and West Coast major cities are shut down. No restaurants unless it's for carryout. Bars are closed. AMC has closed all its theaters nationwide. Malls in D.C. are closed. The Smithsonian that never closes. I think they close on Christmas Day. They close now. It's a mess. One week ago, it wasn't. The NBA is done indefinitely. They're like, oh, maybe in June. I'm like, yo, it's March. What y'all talking about June? President did a press conference. He's like, oh, you know, maybe things will be back to normal July, August. It's March. We going to ride like this till July? It's so crazy to me how the Northeast is on lockdown. And yet, if you look at pictures of Florida, it's spring break. There's an aerial view of, of some beach in Florida and like it's packed. Do y'all not realize we're in the middle of a pandemic? You could die. I mean, I guess if you're on spring break, you're probably in your early 20s. So you just risk getting really sick. But still, all these college campuses are closing left and right, like for the semester. So you're going to have to go home. You're going to take that home to your old parents not a good idea that's not a good idea at all I feel absolutely terrible for the seniors college definitely but high school there's such a big deal made about graduation from high school it's your first really big graduation milestone and there's prom there's the class trip there's all sorts of activities leading up to your your graduation and these kids are gonna miss that all these schools closed indefinitely And even if they open back up, like say the schools open back up in like a month, but are the kids going to graduate on time? Because they've missed a month of school. There's all this effort for homeschooling. But like, what about the kids who don't have Internet access or don't have laptops? I know many companies are offering free Internet, but like, what if you got like a bunch of siblings and there's like one laptop, if one at all? 
it's a clusterfuck because we weren't expecting this. We could have prepared for it a little bit better, no doubt. But our president is stupid. So we didn't. So schools were closed. Sunday night, New York City announces, yeah, we're going to close the schools in the morning. What? They were talking about, was it 30%? It might have been more than that. Thirty, At least 30% of New York City students are getting their primary meals at school. So that's why de Blasio wanted to keep the schools open because it's like if I close the schools and these kids starve and now you've got starving children. It's a mess. It's a mess. So you got schools closed in the Northeast, in the major cities, even in the Midwest. Meanwhile, Florida's still partying. And the governor was like, nah, I'm not closing the beaches. You sound crazy. Like, sir, it's a pandemic. People thought, you know, it was going to be the drugs and the liquor that took people out at the party. No, it's going to be the coronavirus. I'm making do. I've been working out every other day. My goal is to do every day just to get outside and get some fresh air. My parents' neighborhood is pretty hilly. So I do a 40-minute walk. I've got five very steep inclines on that walk. The day before everything shut down, I went to Walmart and I got a yoga mat and a couple weights, a jump rope. My dad had a bench and some kettlebells of varying sizes. So I'm still getting my exercise in. I'm doing my abs. I'm doing my weights. It's good. I'm trying to not just sit in the house and and eat all the snacks and lay in the bed. I want to be productive as possible during this time. So working out is a part of that. The stock market is shit. I refuse to look at my statement right now. On Monday, the stock market dropped the most it's ever dropped in one day. And that was like after consecutive days of dropping, dropping, dropping. That was my, I can go live and be adventurous and be creative and whatever, because I know my bills will always be paid account. Who knows what that account is looking like? Now I'm just like, oh shit, am I gonna have to get a real job? If one exists, Because plenty of people who had real jobs last week ain't got real jobs no more. Trump talking about the unemployment rate could be 20%. What? What kind of shithole country shit is that? America loves to run around telling people like, oh, we're the land of plenty. Streets played with gold. Land of opportunity. Where? That shit disappeared overnight. And that says a lot about how like fragile your infrastructure is when everything can go to shit in a week. Earlier this year, there was talk of a recession, but things were, you know, rolling right along. And then last week, Jesus, the entertainment industry, trash, nearly all productions have closed. Everybody I know working on the production, like all that, all that's gone. That's a wrap. I'm straight. Like I got money saved up. If nothing else, I have this lovely little podcast that can cover all of my bills and then some. So I'm very blessed in that regard. But This was not the 2020 plan. This was supposed to be the glow up year. This is bullshit. Musicians ain't got nowhere to play, ain't nowhere to tour. John Legend did a lovely concert on Instagram yesterday. And I was like, oh, look at John playing the piano. Sounding beautiful. Sounding like he does on the album live. Everyone ain't able. I think the most frightening thing about this virus is not even necessarily the virus. Like, I think it's, there are enough measures such as social distancing or quarantine or isolation, whatever you want to call it. 
we can stop the spread of the virus. That's something that's in our control if people just act like they have some sense. What's scariest to me is the fragility of our nation that has been so woefully exposed. I think most of the people listening to my podcast would probably agree that we knew our president wasn't shit, but we thought that there were enough checks and balances that he could only do so much damage. But this virus has exposed him, definitely, despite the fact that he ranks his performance on a scale of 1 to 10 as a 10. If we could all have the confidence of mediocre white men, that is my goal for everyone of color on earth, the confidence of mediocre white men. Trump is, by all accounts, fucking up to the highest degree of fucking upness. And sat up there and rated himself a whole 10. He didn't even say like, oh, you know, it's like a nine. There are some things I could have done better. I, you know, I could have improved and blah, blah, blah. Sir was like, nope, it's a 10. I've been perfect. I've, I've done a great job. What? But like our healthcare system is complete trash. Us not having universal health care in, in the year of our Lord 2020 is a goddamn disgrace. 2018, Trump was running around calling other places shithole countries. In our country, our whole damn system fell apart in a week. The United States is smoking mirrors. Norway made a call for all of its citizens to come home. They were like, yeah, everyone who's living abroad, y'all should come home, especially if you're currently in a place with inadequate health care, such as the United States. We think we're better than everybody else. Everybody else got tests. United States can't even get no goddamn tests to see who does and who doesn't have the coronavirus. The amount of people that we test in a week is, is what China's testing in a day. It's a goddamn shame. We refer to the president of the United States, even if it's not Trump, we refer to them as the leader of the free world. Are you really leading? Your people don't have universal health care. During a pandemic, you're afraid to close the schools in the largest school system in the country because 30% of the kids won't eat. We're supposed to be a wealthy nation. But 30% of the kids in, in our biggest city only eat at school? That's a goddamn travesty. Norway specifically called us out, and they should have called us out, because we looking raggedy. We looking real raggedy on the international stage right now. Real, real raggedy. We can't even get a decent number of masks. We can't get no paper and plastic and elastic configured in a certain way to cover our faces. The government keeps telling us, oh, you don't need masks. The masks are just for the sick. Yeah, we do. Because you look at the pictures of people in all the other countries that are infected, they got on masks. They got on masks for a reason. We don't want to run out of masks for the people who are on the front lines, which is noble, which is important. Like, they definitely need protection. They're putting their lives on the line. May God bless them. But the populace is being told, lied to, that we don't need masks because we don't have enough of them. We're supposed to be one of the most prosperous nations on earth and we can't get no goddamn masks, y'all. China got masks. Spain got masks. Italy got masks. Why we ain't got no masks? Speaking of China, your crazy ass president has been calling the coronavirus the Chinese virus. He's making Chinese people, including Chinese Americans, his latest xenophobic target. I guess he intends for them to replace the Mexicans who were raping everybody. Remember he said that dumb shit? There's a black woman in the White House press corps. I can't remember who she works for. But she asked Trump, she was like, hey, this Chinese virus phrase that you've been using, like, you know, do you think maybe that might be offensive? That might be, you know, the wrong thing 
to say. Trump said it's not racist at all. He said the virus comes from China. That's why I say it. Bye. And quickly, swiftly moved on to the next question. He don't like black folks asking him questions. There was another black woman earlier this week. I can't remember what she asked him. It was a good question, too. But he was like, that's a nasty question. He hates being called on his shit, especially by women. Trump went on later to explain that he was attaching China to the name of the virus to combat a disinformation campaign promoted by Beijing officials that the American military was the source of the outbreak. So what they said it like, what does that mean? Like, okay, so what? Everyone internationally knows that the source of the virus is Wuhan, China. There's a difference between saying Chinese virus versus the virus originated in China because Chinese virus is associating it not just with China, but with the people, which is exactly what's happening, which is what he wants to happen. This is another one of his dog whistles to his rabid audience of deplorables. Hillary Clinton got in so much trouble for calling Trump's people deplorables, but my God, is there a better way to describe them? He's just a bigot, which is not new information. He's been a bigot all along. It just gets worse and worse. It goes unchecked further and further. He's emboldened more and more. It's one thing to say it, 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 it rallies. It's another thing to get on Twitter and say it, which is bad. I'm, I'm not excusing it in any way, but it's the worst to stand up at a podium in the White House representing the nation as its leader in the people's house and say that low down, dirty, trifling shit about Chinese people. That's terrible. Just for clarity, because I like to be thorough, medical historians and health and public health experts have emphasized that pandemics have no ethnicity and they have stressed that associating a pandemic with an ethnic group can lead to discrimination. People magazine did this story about the the increase in hate crimes, really, assaults, attacks on Chinese people worldwide. There were a couple of them in the States. There's a kid in L.A. in high school beat his ass blue. There's a picture of his face all puffed up. This is where the needle has moved now. Trump's emboldened racist stance has given way to, there's a senator, it's a Republican from Texas, And he claimed that China was, quote, to blame for the spread of the coronavirus because of, quote, a culture where people eat bats and snakes and dogs and things like that. For obvious reasons, he's receiving a lot of backlash for that comment. I saw a repost of a tweet from an Asian American man. He said, look, if Trump is going to call Corona the Chinese virus, he was like, can we call all these instances of shooting up large gatherings. Can we call them white mass shootings? Well, white mass shootings ain't really inaccurate. I will give it to New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. He has emerged as a leader in the middle of this crisis. It's too late now, unfortunately. If Cuomo threw his hat in the ring to run for president tomorrow, I wouldn't go knock on doors because I'm not trying to die, but I would, I would donate. I would fundraise. I would make calls. I think he's an excellent leader. Trump and Cuomo got into a Twitter spat the other day. I guess there was some call with all the governors on it. Afterward, Trump decided to summarize the call on, on Twitter. He said, we had a positive phone call, but Cuomo really needs to, you know, step up and get it together. Cuomo? Who's been out leading you, like leading around you in circles, like lapping you and leading Cuomo? 
needs to get it together. Trump said Cuomo needs to do more. Cuomo clapped back. He was like, you need to do something. He was like, if you don't know what to do, give me the Army Corps of Engineers so we could build some extra hospitals and I'll, I'll take over from there. Bless his heart. Cuomo went and got some Navy ships from somewhere. He was like, yes, we could treat the coronavirus patients on here. It's a thousand people per ship. I got you. One of them's going to dock off the coast of New York. The other one's going to dock over in San Francisco. I love a man who could get shit done. Never in my life have I looked at Andrew Cuomo and think like, yo, he could get it. This leadership he's showing. I'm like, oh, governor. There's a lot to be said for a man who can hold his head in a crisis. Or a man who could just lead without telling you 50 million times you're supposed to submit. Cuomo is just leading. And people are following because they were like, you know what? He, he acting like a leader. He getting some shit done. He inspired the faith of the people to follow his leadership. That's what's called a good leader. You ain't got to tell everybody about it. You just got to be about your business and get it done. Lead. I'm going to add this. I do want you to know, for the record, that I believe if Hillary Rodham Clinton had been elected, the woman whose whose emails y'all were concerned about and, and her husband's cheating and whatever happened with Benghazi and that, that line about super predators from the 90s. Okay, if, if Hillary Rodham Clinton was in charge, we wouldn't be in this shit. Folks voted for a male bigot over a completely qualified woman that they ain't like. Stop giving a fuck about whether people are likable. Elect people because they can lead, especially in a crisis. Any other leader in office, I would feel more confident with them guiding us. I would feel more comfortable with them leading the charge through this crisis. I would also trust that they would look at not even the cracks, the holes in our system that have been uncovered as a result of this virus. And I would think that they would be like, you know what? We need to press a reset button. We don't need to just patch this up and do this the exact same way that we've been doing because it will just fail again. We need to do something different because what we're doing clearly doesn't work when shit hits the fan, which is when you most need your systems to work. I would trust somebody who with actual leadership skills and actual intelligence to figure it out. With Trump, I trust nothing. I trust shit to just get worse. Whatever is on the table, Trump will fuck it up in the worst way possible. It's going to be a long, bumpy ride through this mess. It's going to be a long, bumpy ride to the election in November. Joe Biden is the presumptive Democratic nominee. I'm zero excited about Joe Biden. I'm going to vote for him, but I'm zero excited about it. In the most recent debate, he said he was getting a female running mate. For some reason, people think it's going to be Kamala Harris. All right, sure, whatever. I still ain't excited. Cuomo, I'd be excited about. Not possible. Warren, I'd be excited about. Not possible. But blue, no matter what. In the meantime, prayers for our dear Idris Elba, who was tested positive for the coronavirus. He made a video and put it on Twitter. His wife was in the background looking like the face of professional sadness. People keep saying his wife is pregnant. I Was there an announcement that I missed? I stay pretty up to date on pop culture. I, I missed that. My prayers are with Tom Hanks. Thomas Hanks when he has the beard. I don't think he has the beard right now. So he's back to Tom Hanks. He and wife Rita were exposed to the virus in Australia. They got tested. He let people know 
few days ago. He did an update earlier today and said he just has the blahs. He gets tired really easily, but that's that's his only symptom thus far. But otherwise, he's doing okay. So, and my prayers are with all of us who who may not have the virus, but are experiencing all the effects of, of trying to keep the virus from spreading. I'm an introvert by nature. I'm an only child. I can extrovert it up when need be, but that's not really my my baseline personality. I'm an only child. I can spend weeks by myself and be completely content. Some of the happiest days of my life were wandering around Mexico for three weeks by myself. Pure joy. I speak enough Spanish to get by. I'm not fluent fluent, but I was good not really having conversations with people and just keeping to my own devices and amusing myself. I'm okay. But for the extroverts, my prayers are with you too. I know y'all are struggling at this time because y'all updating on social media every five minutes and the videos are getting crazy and it's only day five. It's going to be a long run for all of us. I hope you get the stimulation and attention that you need to make it through. And I hope for all of us that we can remember that this too shall pass. When I go marching up hills for my what should be daily walks, I listen to James Cleveland, throwback gospel. One of my favorite songs is This Too Shall Pass. I don't know when and I don't know how, but I know that it will. Just hold on. This too shall pass. Can we talk about former Tallahassee Mayor Andrew Gilliam, who ran for Florida governor and lost by 1%? Last week, he was discovered in a Miami hotel room, drunk out of his mind, throwing up with a male escort who was ODing. I would guess it was on crystal meth because the crystal meth was found in the room. But I did notice that none of the news reports specifically said that the escort was ODing on meth. I'd also like to note that as a testament to the crazy times that we live in, A story about a high-profile political figure being caught in a hotel room with a male escort in Miami with crystal meth is not the leading story of a podcast about pop culture and entertainment. And people are barely talking about it because everyone is consumed with news and updates about the coronavirus. Any other time, This story would be scalding hot tea. But in comparison to the Rona, second poor, ma'ams and sirs, we are living in the wildest of times. At the time of, of his discovery in this hotel room, Gillian had recently been touted as a possible vice president for Biden. We found out later that Biden was only considering women, so he wasn't up for VP, but maybe something else high ranking in the administration. Obama went out and stumped for him. He was a very high profile figure, black figure in the Democratic Party, and he blew that shit. I've read several different versions of the story with Gilliam, and they're all based off the police report, which I went and read that, too. You know, this story don't make no damn sense, right? An older gentleman in his 50s rents the hotel room for the male escort in his 30s. Why? Is, is he the pimp? 
why didn't the man in his 30s rent his own hotel room? And because we know that the man in his 30s is, in fact, a male escort, several websites published photos of him naked or in Speedos with his junk all up in the camera, which were on sites with him soliciting for Johns, pretty much tell the story. The whole scenario with Andrew and the male escort comes to a head because the older guy gets the room for the escort. The escort checks into the room around 4 p.m. And then the older guy comes to the room around 12.30, 1 a.m. But for what? You got the hotel room. Why are you coming to the room seven hours later? Like, what, what business did you have there? That's never been asked and it's never been answered because all the reporters are covering the coronavirus. But the older guy gets to the hotel room. And as soon as he gets there... The 30-year-old falls out on the bed and starts throwing up. The older dude calls the paramedics, and then they come, and that's when they find the crystal meth and Andrew too drunk to give a statement or be of any use or help. I'm like, so the older dude came to the room, saw one dude passed out, saw Andrew throwing up in the bathroom. He ain't see the crystal meth? And to clean it up, that's curious. And then most curious of all, what the fuck was Andrew Gilliam doing in this hotel room? You're a married man and a father of three. Why are you in a hotel room with a male escort? I mean, I know likely while you were there, y'all was drinking and getting high and fucking. Okay, you ain't got no business doing that though, sir. If you was a single man, I say, well, that's your business. It was a Thursday. It was Miami. There's no business of mine. She was a married man, a father of three, during a pandemic and in an election year, who got caught with a male escort and meth. Dude, you know what word I want to use? I try not to use that word. I try not to, but I find myself wanting to more and more and more as of late. It's a lot of people doing behavior that that word so aptly describes. Now, in fairness, Andrew releases a statement the next day. He does not mention the male escort. He says that he had too much to drink while he was at a wedding and he did not do any methamphetamines. I don't know anybody who believes that he didn't do methamphetamines, but okay, that's that's your story. You're sticking to it. And look, not that the wedding would absolve all the shenanigans that, that, are, that are described in this scenario, but it makes it look just a little bit better. I do wish there was a wedding. We'll get to that in a minute. A wedding is a place with an open bar. It's a celebratory occasion. Most times you're catching up with people, friends and family you haven't seen in a while. Being overserved at a wedding is not that unheard of, even for the most respectable of folks. And if there was a wedding, it gives him a decent reason to be in a hotel room because then you can spin the story as, hey, I had too much to drink. I didn't want to be a nuisance or a problem to others. I didn't want to experience any disorderly conduct. I went upstairs. I laid down. Someone else who was a part of the wedding party, they came up. I had no knowledge of that. I had excused myself from the populace. I was passed out. This man came in and started doing drugs. I knew nothing of the sort. He could have spun that. That's spinnable. But then the escort, some journalists got the escort on the phone, and the escort was like, wedding? I wasn't in town for a wedding. Mm -mm. And he was like, Andrew didn't mention a wedding to me. Folks ain't found no wedding yet. It's a wedding on a Thursday. 
Can't nobody identify who got married on a Thursday? I would like to think you could find some people that attended the wedding. That hasn't happened yet. Was there a wedding? Wasn't there. It's looking like there was no wedding, which means there's no good excuse for Sir Andrew, married father of three, to be up in a room with meth and a male escort. So Gillian, he gives his I didn't do meth statement. He asked for privacy. He's going to be with his family at this time. A couple days later, he releases another statement saying he went on a tailspin after losing the governor's race. He's been abusing alcohol, facing depression, and he's stepping down from all public facing roles. Look, if you got a drinking problem, abusing alcohol or alcoholic, absolutely get yourself some help. But just go on and go in private. You don't need to make a second statement after the first statement where you ask for privacy to tell us that you were abusing alcohol and then now you're going to get yourself fixed. Now you've released a second statement and it just begs me to say to you, sir, you keep talking about alcohol, but the alcohol is the least interesting part of this story. I want to know more about the male escort and the meth. You're going to keep releasing statements. Release a statement about the male escort and the meth because that's what I'm most interested in learning more about. And you wasn't even on like real vacation. You tell me you left your home state and you went and got wild. I'd be like, well, he's on vacation. You know, these things happen. Raise your hand if you ain't gone on vacation and overserved yourself. But sir, you live in Florida. Miami ain't no real vacation to you. I'm in Maryland right now. That's like me going to D.C. and being like, oh, I'm on vacation. It's 20 minutes away. My empathies are with his wife. They're college sweethearts. And again, they have three children. I keep repeating that for a reason. And then this shit happens? She got to be a mess right now. Why was my husband in a hotel room with meth? Why was my husband in a hotel room with a male escort? Is my husband into things that I may or may not have known about? I just say this. My sympathy is with his wife. Because that's a lot of story for a husband to come home and tell one morning. And then everybody you know hears it on the news too. That's a lot of story. That's that's a lot of story. That's not an essay. That's not a short story. Sir came home with a book like War and Peace. That's a War and Peace story. There was a, a male escort and some meth. And I was fucked up in a hotel room and the cops came at 1 a.m. Sir. I saw people trying to excuse his ways. One of the common excuses, because that's what it was. People were like, oh, he got set up. You know what? Maybe he did. Maybe he absolutely did get set up. This sounds like a setup. It's so crazy for the cops to get called and for dude to start talking the next day. It absolutely does sound like a setup. That's not far fetched. But I need to remind folks, you can only be set up with shit that you like to do. And folks know that you like to do it. Because if I walked into a hotel room and there was a same sex escort and some meth, even some hard liquor, I'd be like, the fuck? See, this is where you got me fucked up at. I'd go off because I ain't into none of that. I don't drink hard liquor. I drink wine. I don't do meth. I don't do any hard drugs. I don't even smoke weed. I don't vape. I don't do brownies, cookies, gummy bears, none of that. Like, I just, none of it. I don't like mind-altering substance. I just like two glasses max of rosé. However, if you wanted to set me up, you need to have me walk into a room with Yaya or, or Damson Idris or Stringer Bell. If they sitting up in there with some carrot cake and some rosé, well, now you have a proper setup. You got me right. 
If police bust in the room an hour later, they would find me naked, drunk off two glasses of rosé, and licking buttercream frosting off some body part of a dark brown man. That's how you set me up. That's how you set everyone up. You know what they're into. You entice them with what you know they're into. And then you blow up their spot. If you're going to call Andrew Gilliam's situation a setup, that's what happened. Folks knew what he was into. They got him caught out there with it. In the little conversation I saw, I kept seeing people bring up Marion Barry, the D.C. mayor who got caught smoking crack and was like, the bitch set me up. Same thing applies. Around D.C. parts, people like to say like, oh, he didn't really want to smoke the crack. He was just doing it because he wanted the woman. That's not how it works, people. Let me explain. Sir liked extramarital sex and he liked crack. I'm going to tell you why. Someone knew he liked extramarital sex and crack. And they enticed him to go to the hotel room where extramarital sex and crack were both available. And people say, no, 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 no. He did not like the crack. He did not want the crack. He wanted the woman. I'm going to tell you why he wanted the crack. If you offered me crack, I'm not familiar with crack. I don't know anything about crack other than what I've seen in New Jack City and Snowfall. If you handed me a crack pipe, I wouldn't know what to do with it. Do you light it before you put it to your lips? Do you light the top or do you light it from the bottom? Do you inhale hard or light? Because like the difference between smoking a cigarette and smoking weed is entirely different. Like when you inhale, how long do you hold it? And where do you hold the pipe? Do you hold it at like the end where you burn it? Do you hold it at the top? I don't know these things. One, because I don't smoke out of pipes. But two, I've also never smoked crack. Marion Barry didn't ask these questions. He knew what to do with the crack. And you want to know why he knew what to do with the crack? Because he had smoked crack before. Now, he may not have been a quote unquote crack head. He may not have been a crack addict. He may not have been a frequent user of crack, but he had smoked crack before. The other excuse I saw for Gilliam was he has a political marriage. People say these things about men who cheat and their wives don't leave them. They start to say, oh, it's a political marriage. Oh, it's an arrangement. And really, that's just a way to let the man off the hook and not hold him accountable for the very grimy shit that he did. And I'm not saying these kind of arrangements don't exist, but I'm saying that no one thought the Gilliams had an arrangement prior to this fiasco. But now all of a sudden he gets caught with a male escort and everyone wants to say like, oh, she must have known. Y'all want to throw the wife into this situation as a conspirator to his shenanigans. Why? That lady probably didn't know shit. She was as shocked as everybody else. I'm going to say it again. I feel bad for his wife. My sympathy is with his wife and the children. Because sir just. That's fucking up on another level. Cheating is one thing. Cheating with a male escort is another Cheating with a male escort and meth is yet another. And cheating with a male escort and meth. And that shit makes the papers. Nigga. I saw Josie Harris. She is the ex of Floyd Mayweather and the mother of three of his children. She passed away in her car. She was 40 years old. The police have not yet figured out what exactly happened. They have ruled out suicide and drug use. Predictably, Floyd Mayweather got on social media and started posting old pictures of him and Josie. He was calling her my angel, my everything, my sweetheart, my sunshine. 
Literally, he posted 11 photos of him and Josie. They were together for about 10 years. And still, I have to ask, what is it with men suddenly loving and cherishing women that they treated like shit when they were alive? Women die and all of a sudden men start deifying them. They treat them the way they should have treated them when they were alive and in relationships with them. And people will say, Demetria, you don't know about their relationship. It was 10 years. You don't know what went on there. I mean, court records and police records have indicated some of what went on. And so did an interview that Josie did back in 2014. She told, I want to say it was USA Today. She says she suffered physical abuse from the boxer on, quote, six occasions, the worst of which was in September 2010 when Mayweather entered Harris's home as she slept, yanked her to the floor by her hair, then punched and kicked her in front of their children. It was the couple's oldest son who slipped out of the house to alert a security guard to summon the police. Mayweather served 90 days in prison for that assault. And in case you think like, oh, it's a he said, she said, like, you don't really know what happened other than, you know, her kid backing up her story. I should point out that this is one of seven alleged assaults Mayweather has committed against five different women that have resulted in him being arrested or issued a citation. Josie's own words in the USA Today article, she says, quote, I was in a very dysfunctional, hostile relationship and a victim of domestic violence. The report from Southern Hills Hospital and Medical Center on the night of that 2010 incident says Harris suffered a head injury plus multiple bruises to her face, scalp and forearm. Floyd Mayweather is trash. I've said this publicly multiple times. I will continue to say so. But that's not the point. The point is, I'm trying to figure out, and I really have no answers here. I'm asking a question. Why do men start deifying these women that they treated like shit in life after they die? What is that about? And so publicly, Diddy did the same thing with Kim, who's the mother of four of his children she's the mother of four of his children after she passed diddy just went on like a onslaught on instagram posting videos you're my best friend you're my everything i love you and i was like this is the same woman that you cheated on repeatedly and she was so mad she threw a tv at you that's not me making that shit up that's them discussing her throwing a tv at him in an essence article circa 2006 2007 somewhere around there by all accounts Diddy treated her terribly financially took care of her the rest of it the the love of his life his best friend the what they have no one else can understand she was pregnant with the twins he had somebody else pregnant chance his other daughter and the twins are like the same age Now, maybe after all that, they reconciled, they figured out whatever they figured out. But I'm just like, bruh, you treated this woman at some point really, really bad. And then she passes away and you go all out. Are you genuine or are you performing? 
And I asked the same thing of Floyd, like this woman whose ass you used to be. Now you putting up 11 posts on Instagram. Are you sincere or are you trying to appear sincere? Are you hurt or are you trying to appear hurt? Do you need help or you just want the public to offer you sympathy, i.e. you want attention? Two different things. In all of them, I lead toward the latter. Treat me when I die like you treated me in life. Like if you were good to me in life, you treated me well. If you need to fall out publicly, then by all means do so. If you ain't like me in life, you can just not mention me. You can give me a one line of respect and keep it pushing. Don't front after I'm dead like, oh, I've watched so many people do that for so many other people. And I'm just like, I know the real story. Y'all ain't really like each other. She talked about you like a goddamn dog and you knew that shit. But you want to fall out over her name every time it comes up? Okay, sure. He treated you like shit, but now he's dead. Now he's the greatest father that ever lived. Okay, sure. I ain't saying drag the dead. I'm saying just don't start deifying people because they died. I think that's all for this week, folks. I think I've said enough good things about three good topics, and I think we can move along until next week. So as always, thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate you, especially in these times. Need some ratchet or respectable in your life in between episodes? Please follow me on Instagram or Facebook at Demetria L. Lucas. Also, please subscribe to this podcast. I don't always put the alerts up as soon as possible, but if you are subscribed, you will get them as soon as the podcast is live. Thank you always for listening. And we will talk again soon. Okay, bye.